Welcome to Wolverine Reads, a theatrical podcast celebrating new plays. I'm Nathaniel Quinn, producing director of Wolverine Theatrics. Previously on Wolverine Reads, Davis Knight entered his plea of not guilty to the count of miscegenation. By all appearances, Davis Knight was a white man, but found himself in court as the state began what would ultimately be a four-day-long hearing trying to prove he was one-eighth Negro and thereby breaking the law by marrying a white woman. So far, we've heard testimonies from the deputy circuit clerk who issued Davis a white marriage license, Mayor Powell who accepted the license and performed a marriage ceremony between the white couple, Junie Lee Spradley's mother who gave the youths her permission to marry, and as we re-enter the courtroom, defense attorney Quitman Ross prepares to cross-examine the 89-year-old Thomas Knight regarding his family tree in an attempt to prove Davis Knight innocent. Once again, we would like to remind listeners that this court case is historically accurate and contains racially charged language. Let's continue with part two of the State of Mississippi vs. Davis Knight, excavated by Victoria E. Bynum and processed and dramatized by Marcus J. France. Mr. Knight, I want to ask you a few questions, if you will. You said that you are the son of Captain Newton Knight. Yeah, yes, sir. You're the author of the biography of Captain Knight, are you not? How's that? Would it bother you if I stood close, where you can hear me? That's all right. I want you to get up here. You are the author of the biography of your father, or are you not? Yes, sir. And this is a copy of it, is it not? This is it. Your father never owned any slaves, did he? No. Now, what year were you born? 1860. September 1860. You were born the year before the outbreak of the war between the states. Yes, sir. Before it started... Then, at the conclusion of the war and the time the Negroes were freed, you would have been six years old. Mm, Not even five, sir. On a Palm Sunday, 1865. You were about four and a half years old, weren't you? Yes, sir. You don't recollect much that happened before you were five years old, do you? Recollect anything? Not much. Can't recollect anything about that. So you don't know whether Rachel ever was a slave. Well, that's just what they said. You have no personal knowledge establishing that as a fact. No, not a bit. If the court please, we move to exclude that portion of this witness's testimony wherein he falsely testified that Rachel was a slave. Sustained. Where was Rachel living when you first knew her? She come to our home. Your home was with your father? Sure was. Do you remember when she came there? No. Do you remember when she died? Uh, No. You don't know that? No. Do you know where Captain Newton Knight is buried? I know where they say he's buried. He has a tombstone there, hasn't he? Uh, I don't know. I reckon he has. You haven't been there to look? No. You don't know what year he died? Somewhere about mm, 22. I think it was uh, 23. I don't know. I think I got it in here. Yes, you have got it in there. I'm one of your best customers for your book, am I not? I know you! <laughs> Mr. Knight, when was the last time you visited your father's grave? Uh, I ain't visited yet. You never have visited it? No, sir. Did Rachel die before or after him? Rachel died before my father. Mr. Knight, do you know, as a matter of fact, 
that Captain Newton Knight and Rachel are both buried out there on Mr. B.L. Moss's place? Uh, that's some of that supposed business. Some of that supposed business. Yes, I ain't been there. Did you attend the funeral, either of them? No, sir. Well, you know where your father's land was, don't you? Yes, I'm, uh, Mr. Moss now owns it. You got a part of the proceeds when it was sold, didn't you? I sold it when it sold. And you know, as a matter of fact, that your father's graveyard was down on that place. Is there now? Yes, sir. Do you remember when Rachel died? I don't remember the year. Do you remember the occasion? Uh, I know she died. Uh, that is, I heard she did. I ain't seen her. Was it about 1889? Uh, I don't know. Do you remember how many children she had altogether? No, sir. Did she have one named Jeffrey? Jeff? Yeah, sure. Who did Jeff marry? Well, he married a knight. What knight? Uh, I, I hate to tell you, but it was my sister, Molly. Who was Molly's father and mother? Molly? Yes, sir. My mother's name was Serena Knight. Uh, my father was Newt Knight. So Molly Knight was Newt and Serena's daughter. Uh, uh, yes, sir. And she married Jeffrey Knight. Uh, yes, sir. And Jeffrey Knight was Rachel's son. Sure was. Did you have a brother named Madison? Sure did. Matt Knight. Who did he marry? Oh, he married Fanny. Fanny Knight? Yes, sir. And who was Fanny's mother? Rachel. Is your brother Matt still living? No, sir. Matt passed on. Is his wife still living? You mean his first wife. He married twice. Well, I mean Fanny. Fanny? No, I... I don't know where she's buried. Do you know where Matt Knight is buried? He's buried that old Union line. Was Rachel Knight ever married so far as you know? <clears throat> Never was so far as I know. When you first knew her, she was living on your father's land after the war between the states. Yes, sir. After Captain Knight returned from his battles. Yes, sir. She never came as, as your father's slave. No, sir. He never owned slaves. But what I want to get at is this. Were any children born to her after you uh, remembered? I don't remember. All her children had already been born. Yes, uh, before I think it was. George Ann, Jeff, uh, Than, and Floyd. Do you remember George Ann? Yes, uh, How long has she been dead? Well, I, I couldn't tell you. I, I don't remember. That's all. Mr. Knight, just tell the jury why you left home. We object. That couldn't be material or relevant to this issue. Sustained. The state calls Mr. D.H. Valentine. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. Mr. Valentine, where do you live? Live in Laurel. How old are you? Well, I'm... Oh, I'll be uh, 59 years old next month. Mr. Valentine, did you ever know Captain Newton Knight? Very well. Uh, where was he living at the time that you knew him? About six and a half, oh, seven miles from my home, uh, from where I was born and raised. 
And where was that? My father lived at the 11 mile post north of Ellisville. And you knew Captain Knight up until the time of his death? Up until the time he died, yes sir, 22 to 25 years ago. Did you know a woman by the name of Rachel who lived at Mr. Knight's place? Uh, Yes sir. During the time you were a boy? Yes, sir. Was she a Negro or a white person? In my estimation, she was a full-blood African Negro. And what do you base that opinion on? Well, she had kinky hair, broad nose, heavy lips. She had every feature of a full-blood African Negro, and I was taught all my life that she was We object to what he was taught. Sustained. You can't tell what you were taught. Just... Tell your opinion about it. Well, um, my honest opinion is that she was a full-blood African We object to what his opinion is. Overruled. Mr. Valentine, did she have any children, so far as you know? Well, uh, she had one named George Ann, uh, one named Howard... uh, I I beg your pardon. George Ann, and she had one named Fanny, and she had a boy. I just don't remember... No, I wasn't associated with him so much, uh, but she did have those two children, and she had one named Jeff. That is the one I am particularly interested in. Did you know Jeff? Very well. Uh, Was Jeff a white man or a Negro? Jeff was always classed as a Negro. He had. We object if the court pleased to what he was classed. He was a half mulatto. Just let the court rule on my objection, please. (sighs) Better let the jury retire. The jury will follow me, please. Gentlemen, my conception of the law is that you can prove a man's race by what he is generally reported to be or what the average man's opinion would be. I will hear you if you have any authorities. On this point, Your Honor need look no further than Martha Ann Musgrove et al. v. J. R. McPherson et al. decided in chancery in this very county a quarter century ago involving these very same white niggers. That does crease my memory. Do you have the case book? Of course. Share it with Mr. Ross. Newt Knight crisscrossed his white children with his nigger children. His white son Matt married his nigger daughter Fanny. His white daughter Molly married his nigger son Jeff. Nobody knows who sired Jeff and Fanny. By all accounts, Rachel was a handsome woman. White men treated such women as semen receptacles in those days. White trash? Just the white trash. Auctioneers, cotton magnates. They sold their seed wherever they damn well pleased. How dare you? We stray from the precedent. It does not matter who fathered Jeff and Fanny. They were birthed from a nigger womb. An octoroon womb. Set that aside for now. Yes. We stray from the point. In 1914, the Farmers and Traders Bank foreclosed on Matt Knight's old farm. His children by Fanny sued to stop the foreclosure. Oh, I remember this case. Good Montgomery represented the bank, right? Yes, he did. Good was a good old boy. The Musgroves were Matt's children by Fanny and her grandchildren. To legally inherit the old farm, they had to prove that Fanny was white. I bet the license is registered in the white marriage record book. 1914, right? No, 1878. This only goes back to 1931. Eddie Bell, run down to the clerk's office and get the white marriage record books, one and two. Never mind, Hedy Bell. Mr. Ross cannot expect this court to compensate for his 
lack of preparation. It may very well be that the marriage is recorded in the white record book. I'm just trying to provide the background. Matt abandoned Fanny. And a brood of children, if I remember correctly. Eight children. Then he married one of his white cousins without bothering to get a divorce. No divorce necessary because his marriage to a nigger was invalid under the miscegenation law. But the license is recorded in the white marriage book and the ceremony performed by a white pastor. None of which mattered because Good Montgomery convinced the jury that the community considered Fanny black. That was an outrage. Matt was the transgressor, not Fanny. Their children, abandoned by their father, should not suffer the further cruelty of disposition. That case was decided in chancery, not equity. It belongs in the court of equity. Our case, like that case, shall be decided on the basis of precedent. The tried and true customs of the sovereign state of Mississippi, embodied in our laws, are not on trial here. I wish I could give the phrase sovereign state the dignity and magnificence with which it fills the mouth of southern gentlemen when he is about to perpetrate some outrage upon humanity. Not long ago, a lonely white woman named Willie Hawkins, lusting for the forbidden fruit, lured a black man to her bed. Bless his heart. But Willie McGee could have been the model for sporting life in Porgy and Bess. The affair went on for months. Many of their tries took place with her drunken husband snoring in the next room and her baby sleeping in the crib next to her. And finally, they were caught. Willie did what any proper white lady would do. She screamed rape. Willie was arrested. And our very own F. Burkett Collins presided over the trial. The evidence of consent was overwhelming. Willie, as you may well imagine, appeared to lose his mind. His attorney raised the issue of competence to stand trial. Our friend, Judge F. Burkett Collins, marched across the street to the Watts only pool hall, corralled a few sportsmen, and impaneled them as expert witnesses. Naturally, these experts delivered their unanimous professional opinion that Willie was competent. The trial proceeded. A jury of 12 white men, all honest and true, reached a foreordained conclusion. Willie McGee, you are guilty. So much for the impartiality of Judge F. Burkett Collins. The court does not think anyone can show how much Negro or how much white blood a man has in him by mere reputation. But the court does not think anyone can show how much Negro or how much white blood a man has in him by mere reputation. But this being a charge of miscegenation in which the question of intent necessarily arises... The court holds that any proof as to how he was generally reputed to be, whether white or negra, that was brought home to the defendant would be competent as putting him on notice as to whether he was violating the statute, tending to show intent. I repeat, the court does not hold it would be conclusive as to how much negro or how much white blood he has in him, but it is evidentiary of intent. Thus, the court holds that the state may show whether this defendant was generally considered in the community as a Negro or a white man. I am not arguing with the court, but the court allows the state to show whether the defendant was branded one race or the other. The question, however, is about Jeff Knight. It is not shown whether he is kin to the defendant at all. If the court please, we will connect it up and show that this defendant is a direct descendant of Jeff Knight. Does the court hold that we cannot connect it up? If you can connect it up, you may show that.
Thank you for joining us for the State of Mississippi vs. Davis Knight, excavated by Victoria E. Bynum, processed and dramatized by Marcus J. France, featuring the voice talents of Jason Pasqua, Heath Howes, Justin Glover, Mason Quinn, Dan Muth, Sarah Foreman, Amy Woods, David Weigand, Kent Sugg, Elliot Clough, Phil Foreman, Hugh Butterfield, Francis Leary, Lenny Scoville, David Harlan, Benjamin Gonzalez, Allison Quaggenharken, and Chris Will. Directed by Nathaniel Quinn, with sound design by Kyle Harper and original music by Scott Hurst. If you've been enjoying our content, please head over to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash Wolverine Reads and consider becoming a patron. We are passionate about creating and celebrating new theater. Becoming a patron helps us to continue creating and improving our craft. And from all of us at Wolverine Theatrics, thank you for listening, liking, and sharing.